So we thought we'd uh, round things off with a small topic um, tonight, you know, kind of just a little, little detour topic, um, you know, that of the meaning of life. Um, so uh, yeah, obviously that was sarcasm. And I'm sure everyone appreciates that. Um, so yeah, meaning of life. Um, Shay, are you ready to uncover the depths of the meaning of life within 30 minutes? I, I'm ready to, well, like you said before, there, there is no try. So we have, to, we have to do it to the best of our ability. Let's go, let's do this. I guess it might be worthwhile starting off by uh, I guess, what, what, why has it been on our minds, particularly your mind this week? Um, we were having a chat earlier in the week. Um, maybe it's worth sharing that story before we go into everything about it. Yeah. Um, so this is just fair warning. This is a pretty, pretty crazy story um, for those of you listening in. So I was uh, exactly as Dave said, I was, at, I was at his house on Wednesday night and we were chatting about something that happened earlier that week, this week, actually. Um, I was going to work in the morning. It was about 8.30 in the morning and I was driving down the freeway and um, the lane of traffic that I was in kind of began to slow down a little bit. So I just tapped the brakes and, and looked in the rear view mirror behind me and there was this little white hatchback um, car that was driving maybe 50, 60 meters behind me. Um, and um, I kind of, I looked in front of me again and about a second later, I heard a massive bang. Um, and so I glanced again at the rear view mirror out of the corner of my eye. I could see that little hatchback. The back of it was completely crushed and it was, spinning as I was looking at it in the back of the car and it was very close behind me um, and, uh, and, I, and I could see it only for a second. There was glass and plastic all over the road. Um, that car had been hit by a truck, one of those huge ones that was carrying cars on top of it. Um, and uh, there was, uh, you know, everybody kind of stopped on the on the freeway and I was pretty close to the car so I um, got into the emergency lane and got out of the car to see whether everybody was okay whether I could help in some way and I walked up to um, a guy standing right next to the car and um, it turns out he was a truck driver and I said are you all right mate and he didn't answer me and I said are you okay and he seemed kind of really flustered and he said, I'm, I'm fine, but she's dead. Um, and that's when it just escalated so quickly. I said, what, what do you mean? Remember, this is, this is the first, first thing I've seen, the first thing I've said, and he just pointed at the car. So I walked to the car and through the window, I could see that there was a young woman in the driver's seat. She couldn't have been more than 30 years old. She looked like she was dressed to go to work. Um, her head was bleeding and she wasn't moving. Um, and a couple of moments later, the paramedics on the phone asked us to um, open the car and bring her out and start to do CPR. Um, and so we did that and it didn't work and she was gone. A few minutes later, 
the police and the ambulance and the fire brigade and the SES came. And some of you guys might've seen this on the news where um, there was a fatal accident on the Monash freeway. So I, I had a front row seat to that um, earlier this week. And so it was just that, that shocking moment of, of no preparation um, when you go to a hospital or when you go to a funeral or when you go to um, any place like that, there is sort of an expectation that um, you might see death. And so there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of kind of preparing yourself mentally for it. But in this case, um, there was a young woman who was living her life. She was alive and on her way to work and, um, and you know, the truck driver and, and myself and everybody else on that scene who were going down the freeway and, and life was normal. Um, and in the space of literally two seconds, um, all of our lives changed. The futures changed um, and one of us was gone as a result of that. Um, and so when I went home and had a chance to kind of calm down, it brought up some, some questions for me um, and they weren't questions that I'd never asked before, but um, they were brought again to the forefront of my mind. And, and when you see something like that, um, what's important and what's not comes into view very quickly. Life doesn't have much gray when you're looking at death. It's just black and white in that moment. And um, so when we were talking, when, when I was at your house about, you know, what we we're going to discuss tonight, I thought, why not just talk about that? Why don't we um, explore what it means to live? Mm, yeah. So I think, brings yeah. Us yeah, I think it's very easy to go through life and hide uh, or forget the fact that we're all, you know, we're all destined for the same place, which is the grave, um, and live a life that's kind of oblivious to that fact until inevitably we kind of get slapped in the face uh, by death. Um, and it, it causes us to wake up a little bit and kind of, you know, reevaluate a meaning. Um, so I guess one of the things I've been thinking about since you shared that story with me, um, and since we were talking about meaning um, in life and the meaning of life is first, is there a singular meaning? Um, and second, <clears throat> is that meaning like a universal thing? Is that something that all human beings, we can like universally agree that there is a, a meaning of life or is it very like subjective? Um, and yeah, curious to hear what you think about um, whether or not, yeah, it's a, it's a shared experience or a universal thing or a, a subjective thing. Yeah. Um... I think I think that's a good question, and Ravi Zacharias talks about it as one of the one of the fundamental questions of life. You know, it says meaning, morality, origin, and and destiny. So you know, meaning is one of those four, and it's right up there. I, I don't. Um, I think we were created for meaning, um, and if we don't find that meaning in God or in, in, in um, his design and, and his plan for us, humans tend to look for any kind of meaning in and of themselves. And so I think it tells me that our search for meaning is a universal thing. We're all looking for meaning. How we go about um, actually defining that and living towards it, I think changes drastically based on what we believe is the truth. Mm. But from, from my point of view, 
if there is a universal creator, if there is a universal designer, then there is a universal meaning. And by that, I mean Bill Gates, um, if he made all Microsoft computers, um, then he made them on purpose for a purpose. He didn't make them just for the kicks. If there is a designer and he designed something, then he designed it for a purpose um, and on purpose. And, and so if you believe that there is a God and that that God created you, which is what I believe, then I believe that he did that for a reason because he's not wasteful um, and he's not um, random. Um, and that's, that's, that's not his nature. And so I believe that I have a purpose in this life. I was made with and for one. So mm. what about you? You know, I, th I agree. I think that, you know, there is, again, because of the same reasons that you, you think there is, that there is a creator and, and that we are all uh, made in his image. So I think that there is a, a, a universal meaning for all humanity, all human beings. But I also think the way that's expressed, the way that it's um, found is an individual process. Um, and, you know, that's why it's something that's so challenging to think about and talk about um, because it is so unique for everyone. And, um, you know, what strikes me might not strike someone else. But I also think that there are some chords that will resonate with everyone um, because of the fact that we're all made in the image of God and that we all have these same drivers behind us. Um, and so when we, when we feel that, when we see that, we um, want to live into that and, and, and we recognize it as, you know, truth or objective truth. Mm. Um, I guess then in that case, what does, when you think about the meaning of life, uh, what, what, what does your mind automatically gravitate towards? Well, uh, again, and another excellent question. I think a lot of people ask this at different times of their life. Some people get to sort of that midlife crisis, you know, 35, 40, whatever it is. Um, and they go, you know, who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing with my life? What's the point of all this? And, and people kind of break down over that question. Some people ask it a lot earlier. And for me, um, I think I was about 15 or 16 when I was sort of reading my Bible and, and thinking about this stuff and it just randomly popped into my head um, to think about the end and then work it out from there. So when I think about meaning, my mind automatically goes towards the end. What, what's the, when all of this is done, what are the things that are going to matter? Therefore, that's the meaning of what I should be doing now. Um, if you figure out what it is that you're going towards, then you can actually begin to move towards it. Uh, but I, I feel like when we're trying to answer that question, a lot of us actually don't know what the end is. So for me, when I'm on my deathbed, what, what will matter in that moment? Um, and when I look back, what will, will I have actually fulfilled that or not? So when I think about um, meaning and purpose, I think about standing in front of God on the last day. Um, and I think, did I... Um, did I actually surrender my life to him and let him do what he wanted to do with it? Um, did I love people the way that he did? Did I point people to him? Um, did I live in a way that actually pleased him? The one who died for me, bought me and gave me the life that I have now. I, between me and, and the girl I was speaking to about earlier this week in that car accident was... 50 meters and, and a second of travel time on the freeway. Um, and so I had to ask myself, 
was I ready to leave that day? Um, and, and was I happy with the life that I had lived up until that day this week, if it was my time to go? And so if, if you know what it is that you're going towards, I feel like, um, or if you have a definition of that, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a moment, then you can begin to know what it is that you should be doing now, because what it is that you do now will be ultimately the meaning that you've lived towards when you get to the end. So you can't live going kind of this way and then expect your life to have meant something that went this way at the end of it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. But you know, what was very interesting to me is that your answer to the meaning of life is started by asking about, uh, you know, what does God want from me? And I feel like a lot of people, when they go about answering that question, um, it's more about what do I want from my life and what, what are my purposes and desires and ambitions and, you know, where do I want to see myself on my, you know, by the time I'm, you know, ready to go, whether it be as an old person on their deathbed or whether it be, you know, like whatever, what, what do I want to achieve, that kind of thing. And yet you framed it from the point of view of what does God want of me? I guess, well, you know, does God say anything about what he wants of us? Uh, what, what does the Bible have to say about the meaning of life? There's, there's plenty to say about um, the meaning of life in the Bible. And that's why um, when you read it, you really see the wisdom of God in that. But um, I'd love for you to speak into that one, actually, because we were talking about a few verses just before we, we started. And I think that they sum it up really well. So go, you go ahead and read them if you've got them. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, so uh, I think, you know, something that we were talking about is, um, you know, the Bible, I think, is very interested in answering this question about meaning. Um, and like, you know, pretty much throughout the whole thing, it's kind of uncovering uh, God's intent and purposes for humanity. Um, and then it reveals it specifically in a few individuals um, and what God wants for their lives to mean and, and for their purpose to be. But I think, um, you know, like with most things, if you look at the beginning of the Bible, um, uh, you can kind of see, uh, you know, a lot of what's there. And particularly Genesis 1, um, after God creates uh, humanity, um, it says, uh, Genesis chapter one, I think it's verse 27 or something along those lines near the end of the chapter, um, that God says, let's create, uh, humanity, man in our image. Um, and, uh, he created male and female in his image. And then, um, he says, um, uh, to human beings, he gives them their purpose. He says, go, um, you know, uh, be fruitful and multiply and rule the earth, um, rule over the beasts and the fish, you know, the, you know, everything, rule over everything. And in that like mandate, we see this dual thing like happening. One is that we're created to be little images of God, representatives of God on, on earth. Um, and the second is that he gives us uh, creative control. He says, this world I made for you, um, enjoy it and go about doing exactly what I did when I created the world, bring more beauty, bring more order, bring more, um, life. Uh, and, uh, you know, so it's this picture of partnering with God in the work that he's already set forward and begun both out of this 
delight, but also out of this like divine mandate, um, you know. And so I think when we then see the story of the Bible unfold, um, that, that whole thing gets unpacked even more and more. Um, and I think that the best way to summarize meaning uh, like in a, in a more concrete, because that's very abstract, I think. Um, so to summarize it in a, like a more concrete way, it's to love and to serve. Um, you know, the meaning of life is to love the way that God loved. Out of God's love, he created us. Out of God's love, he created a world for us. Out of God's love, he wants more beauty and more creation to, to be brought forward. Out of God's love, he redeemed us and, and you know, did everything to, to win us back. Um, and, uh, you, know, you know, you read um, parts of the Bible where First uh, Corinthians 13, the love chapter of the Bible, where literally the uh, Apostle Paul says that there is no point to life if you don't love. Um, you could do, you could achieve great things spiritually or not spiritually. You could be an epic, whatever prophesier or whatever, and it means nothing if you don't love. Um, and uh, yeah, so so love, and then to serve. I think a life lived selfishly, a life lived inwardly, is a life not well lived at all. And yeah. again, you see that through the creative act. Um, that God made uh, that from what God's like spawned from the beginning. And the whole idea, when we think about ruling nowadays, we think about like, you know, Donald Trump tweeting aggressive things about how everyone hates him and how he wants, you know, everyone should love him and everyone should serve him. But when God talks about ruling and reigning, it's ruling and reigning through sacrifice. It's ruling and reigning through uh, giving of yourself uh, for the sake of others. And that's exactly what we see Jesus do um, in his life. His rule, his reign begins with him on the cross. Um, that's his, the Bible portrays that as, as the exaltation of the king of the world, the Messiah. His exaltation begins when he's raised on the cross to die. Um, and it is that that makes him worthy to, to rule and to reign. Um, and so the same thing for us as followers of him, um, you know, the meaning of life is to serve others sacrificially. And if we're not doing that, um, yeah. So I think, I think that's where my head goes to when I look at the biblical story and, and, and what the Bible has to say about um, meaning. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, if I can, you know, speak into that selfish meaning part, maybe I will just tell the, the story very briefly of what happened when I was 15, just, just to... to give it some frame. Some of you guys might have heard this before, some of you might not, but basically I felt like I had this, this real clarity in that moment to kind of look at everything that Dave was saying, because these things that Dave is talking about are good in and of themselves that you're, that you're talking about, Dave, serving, loving, but there is a way to do that in a selfish way where you're right, you're, you're saying it's, it's all about me. And until you put it into the perspective of we're not just doing this for this life. Like this, it actually, this life links with the next one. It's one continuous stream to God. Your, um, your spirit lives on, your soul lives on. And so just because you die physically here, it doesn't mean that your life has stopped. You continue to live. And so what you do here matters. And it matters because of that. I think it was Paul who said, 
if we have Christ only for this life, then we're more miserable than anybody else in the world. It's like, what does it mean to you know, serve Christ and to live for God if we just die and then that's it. We just, it goes black and the curtain closes after all this. No, there's, 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 a next, um, there's a next life that comes after this one and it's directly linked to what we did in this one, to how we loved in this one, to how we served in this one, to how we obeyed in this one. And so the clarity that I had when I was thinking about the meaning of life when I was 15 is, is just this idea of like, well, I was thinking about what uni course I wanted to do and what I wanted to be when I grew up and, and all that kind of, uh, those kinds of questions. And um, I was just thinking, you know, what if I became a businessman? What if I built a business that was worth, you know, however many billion dollars and I got to travel the world and, um, you know, have houses and cars and just did whatever I wanted. Would that make me happy? And then I felt this thought pop into my head of, well, why don't you look at people alive right now who have achieved the thing that you are talking about or that you're thinking about and see where their life is at and where their life has ended up. Um, and I was like, man, there are so many people who are wealthy. There are so many people who have traveled the world. There are so many people who um, have made it in life, whatever the world's definition of success and purpose and meaning is. And either they're suffering from, you know, severe um, depression or um, they, they've checked into rehab or they've turned to drugs or they have a string of broken relationships or it's just this, this, this image of when you make it, you, you've got your life together. It just, it never checked out. I, I, I did it with a couple of other things. I'm like, you know, what if I became an artist, a famous singer, you know, and I'm like, well, half of them, same thing, are in rehab or commit suicide or like, it's not the life that I want. These people are where I would like to be one day in my thinking. And I'm like, well, this can't be it because it doesn't lead to any fulfillment. It doesn't lead to any happiness. And um, Solomon talks about this in Ecclesiastes chapter two from verse nine. Um, it says this, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. It says this, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. In other words, anything that my eyes saw that I wanted, I just went and got it. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my neighbor, and this was the reward for all my toil, in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Yet, when I looked at all that my hands had done and what I'd worked hard to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained for me under the sun. And you go to the end of Ecclesiastes when he kind of, he goes through the whole book and he's like, look, all these things are good, but they're meaningless. Ultimately, they're meaningless. You know, working is good. Life is good. Pleasure is good. Blah, blah, blah. But actually, all of it means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. So then the last verse of this entire book, this essay, when he concludes and he's like, so what is the point? Why do we do any of this? And he says, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is man's everything. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's evil. In other words, my whole life is about living out the purpose that God has for having created me. To live for him, like you said, to live like him, to actually submit to him. 
to love him. And this is the beautiful thing. In loving him, I learn to love others. And then the more I love him, the more I love others. And then the more I love others, the more I love him because I see him in them. And, you know, it's just this beautiful upward cycle. Um, so I, I, I looked at all of these goals that we have as human beings, just like Solomon did. And I'm like, well, they don't lead to where I want to go. I, I'm looking at all these people live the life that maybe one day I would like to have. And none of them have a life that I would like to live. Um, because that's, that's, that's not what God designed us for. There is a next life. But all of them live with the idea that it's going to end here. It's going to end at some point, And then I'm going to get as many toys as I can while I'm here so that I can enjoy it. Because once I'm gone, I'm gone forever. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And that's why we have a different outlook on, like, on, on what life means. Because life continues past when just our bodies don't respond anymore on earth what's 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 your view of that yeah i mean it's good that you brought up ecclesiastes because that's literally a whole book about the meaning of life um and written by the you know the wisest man um whoever lived um supposedly so um i think yeah the conclusion of that whole i, I think one of the things that we don't get though when we look at that um that book is the word meaning, uh, uh, the the word meaningless or whatever uh, your Bible translated at, as, it's uh, the Hebrew word uh, hevel, and that word actually means um, uh, vapor or or mist or or smoke. Um, uh, uh, by the way, I just want to take this moment to kind of remind everyone who's watching: you can send in questions, and uh, we're we're going to have a, like a fifteen minute um, time at the end where we'll respond to uh, your, your chat questions. So feel free to, to write it in. We've already got um, a, a question in, so that's great. And yeah, feel free to do that. I mean, I, I, if I were you guys, I'd have a million one questions, so go for it. Um, but yeah, so that word hevel, uh, smoke, vapor, like it's not just talking about like, it's meaningful because it's, you know, here one day, go on the next. It's, it's talking about life's, uh, also enigma and like um uh the the parts of it that aren't very uh like obvious or overt so for example you know when it talks about uh work um being or family or you know things like that love in general being meaningless or whatever he's not saying it's not worth embarking on it's not worth pursuing what he's saying is he's saying that you know it, it is intangible. It is something that disappears and dissipates over time. And, and you know, your life is, is finite. And, and, you know, in the grand scheme of things, how, how, how much does your whatever 60, 80 years on this planet really mean and, and, and have impact? But he's also saying, like, we don't really get it. And we don't really, like, understand it. And we don't really see its full impact. And we don't, you know, so that that word isn't just meaningless it's it, you know it's not it doesn't just mean that it also means like it's intangible it's it's beyond uh you know sometimes what we can kind of wrap our heads around mm -hmm. so in saying all that i think that you know the the but the summary i think is perfect which is to fear god and to obey him and that's exactly what we see in the life of of jesus who was god um, made man um, and his whole life 
was in submission to the fathers. His whole life was saying, not my will, but yours be done. And continuously saying that to the very point where he gave up his own life, knowing that that's exactly what uh, was his purpose. What was the ultimate fulfillment and meaning of his life um, only to then be resurrected and lifted up to reign. And uh, that is the image. That is what we, uh, that is the culmination of what it looks like to be Genesis one human beings made in the image of God co-ruling with him. It is manifested in what Jesus did on the cross. And so um, I guess all of that's pretty and all of that's theological. What does that look like in real life and how do we get there? Yeah, well, we, we get there by following the example that Jesus set, because I think until Jesus, there were, there were a lot of ideas about that looked like, but nobody could ever actually do it. Nobody who ever attempted it actually did it until Jesus came and showed us what it's supposed to look like in real life. God became man and dwelt among us. Um, and lived like one of us and showed us how it's done. Every time he interacted with another human being, the kindness that he showed them, the dignity that he bestowed upon them, the way that he spoke about the father and about the kingdom that was, you know, now, but, but not yet, or, or the, the phrase that you like to use, which I, which I really like. Um, and, and how he lived, he lived here, but he also lived but there, he was a citizen of heaven and he was reflecting the culture, the language, the, the, the meaning, the purposes of heaven, the will of heaven in every day that he lived. And it's funny, when we think about meaning, we think the more selfishly I live, the more meaningful my life will be at the end of it because I'll have done everything that I wanted to do. But what you just said, Dave, is that Jesus' motto was not my will, but yours be done. And in three years of ministry, he impacted the world so much that we are having this conversation right now. When a life that is fully surrendered to God can actually be lived out like Jesus was, the impact that it has lasts for generations and generations and generations in the lives of so many. Like, you know, the Apostle Paul who wrote half the New Testament, all these people who said, hey, my life doesn't matter to me. My life is about um, the one who created me and what he wants to do with me while I'm here, because I know that my time here is short and I'm going to go uh, and be with him. So while I'm here, what am I supposed to do? Well, he's got some things that he wants to do in this world and he wants to involve me in that process. He wants me to co-rule with him and he wants me to, to build with him and to walk with him and to love him and to know him. And so I'm going to devote myself to doing that. And you see what God can do with an ordinary human being time and time and time again through scripture and then obviously culminated in the person of Jesus Christ. So what does it look like in real life? It looks like loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, spirit, um, and loving others. And it looks like making disciples and it looks like making memories along the way. That's it. like, it, because ultimately all that it led to from, from those kind of conversations in my head when I was 15 is at the end of the day, the only thing that I can take with me to the other side are just other people and what has been done for God and the memories that, that have been made while here. That's it. Just other people that you can take with you by telling them about Jesus and who hopefully um, come to him and come with you. Um, and 
everything that's been done for God that will stand. Everything else will be burnt up and will go away and will have no meaning in the life to come. Um, only what is, there's, a, there's a motto that I really like. I can't remember who said it. Um, it's one life. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ shall last. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Jesus puts it another way as well. Matthew chapter six, uh, people, you know, he's talking about people's desire to like, you know, dress nicely and have good food and be provided for. And like their, you know, their, their daily requirements met. And then Jesus talks about the lilies in the field and the birds in the air and how God dresses the, the lilies in the best way possible that even Solomon with all his riches couldn't, um, you know, even imagine something as beautiful and the birds, they get all that they need because God knows what they need and he provides for them. And he says, well, how much more for you human beings is God willing to provide, you know, the ones that we were created, you know, we were created in his image. How much more will he be you know, willing to provide for us? And then he says, uh, you know, seek first uh, the kingdom of God um, and all these other things will be added to you. Mm. Um, be, I think what it looks like practically is to be people that are obsessed with what God wants um, in our lives and in the world. And so when we start to have that vision where we look at our friendships and we say, hey, what's going on with Jimmy? Um, and Jimmy's struggling. And Jimmy, you know, instead of just thinking, well, how can I, you know, get something out of this? Or, or maybe even just altruistically, like, how can I be a good friend to Jimmy? Instead of even just thinking something nice like that, is thinking, God, what do you want for Jimmy? And how can I help Jimmy? Um, and, you know, instead of looking at my career, what, what will give me a comfortable life? What will give me a life that, um, you know, I will, you know, retire by the age of 50 and blah, blah, blah. No, God, what do you want for my career? Um, how, how can I, you know, serve you the best in, in what I'm going to do day to day um, for the next X amount of time? And, you know, I guess the, the follow-up question to that that I'm thinking about is, well, how do you get those answers? Um, uh, and maybe that's a whole conversation in and of itself that we have another time. But, um, but yeah, bottom line is that we, we look at the world through the lens of what does God want um, in my life and in the, life around, in the lives around me? And how can I be a, a facilitator or a tool for God to achieve those ends? And you're absolutely right, man. Like, that's the only way to have a really impactful, meaningful life. Uh, one thing I love saying to people is if you look at the Apostle Paul, from the outside, before he became a Christian, his life was great. He was a dual citizen of Rome and, and he was a Pharisee. He was like one of the upper, you know, well, you know one of the very well-respected people um, of his society and all that kind of stuff. And becoming a Christian was the worst thing he could have done because yeah. it was social suicide. It was putting himself in line with a group that hated him, by the way, because he was killing them to begin with. So he was, he was an outcast from that group as well as from the group that he had come from. Um, and it was a dangerous life. He got beaten and, and almost killed several times throughout his ministry. And eventually he died in jail. Like he, his whole life, he thought he was going to go talk to the, the Caesar, to the emperor of Rome. He thought that that was his destiny, but God did not plan for that. And he ended up dying in prison. And so sometimes I think to myself, if I was Paul living in those moments and looking at my life during those moments, 
I might have thought I failed. And yet, Paul will write these profound and astounding statements like, I've run the race well. I know that God has a crown, a reward for me at the end of all of this. Um, and the reason why he could see that is because he saw the world through the lens of, of, of the gospel. He saw the world through the lens of Jesus. And he said, I did everything I possibly could. And it's not up to me to achieve what I think I need to achieve, but it was up to me to take each step along the road. And I was faithful with every step. And so I'm happy. I'm happy with the life that I've lived. Man, that's, that's it. And it's, I, I know we're, we're pretty much out of time. I just want to say this. Um, just to finish up, just a thought that popped into my head while you're talking. I've actually got the passage in front of me, Philippians 3, 7, right after he describes how good his life was before kind of becoming a Christian. This is how he describes it after becoming a Christian. He says, but whatever was a gain to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them to be garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness that's my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. It's like, if you, exactly like you said, I think this is an important point to make. Success from a Christian point of view doesn't look like the world. Jesus died on a cross. That doesn't look like success to anyone who looks at it from the outside. Paul died in prison was, and had horrible things happen to him if you're kind of just looking at it from the outside in. The Christian life is backwards. It's entirely backwards. What is, looks meaningless to people of earth is of infinite worth and meaning to God in heaven. Um, and so... You asked, how do you know? And we're not going to answer that question today. But the short answer is by reading this. God didn't make it a mystery. He wants you to know his will. He wants you to know how to live. And he wants you to see the example that um, he lived out so that you could follow it. And he wants to empower you to follow it that way. Um, but I guess just, can I share a final thought, Dave, just to close? Yeah, go. Um, I, just, I just had this this mental image come into my head just, just earlier today of an airport. Um, and I just thought, why do we go to the airport? Um, because we're, we're going to board a flight. We're all going, whoever is at the airport is there to um, board a flight. And, and so um, we go, and when you go to the airport, there are fun things to do at the airport. There are things to buy at the airport. There are even places to sleep at the airport. But it would be very strange if you lived at the airport, if you thought that the airport was your final destination. And things like what happened earlier this week remind you that there are different times for the flight, there are different routes for the flight, but the, you're going to get on a flight and there are only two destinations at the end of the day. So just, just the point that I'm trying to make is that this is our temporary home. Um, we're not here for very long, but it can be so meaningful if we live it right and how we live here will how will be how we live in the life to come and so i i i really hope that we just don't brush this question aside or because it's scary and big and um there's kind of so much in it that we shy away from it and then regret that when we get to the end of our lives and we don't know when that will be and say i i, I could have done this differently um don't be afraid 
come close to that question and, and come close to God as you ask that question um, and, and, and let him guide you towards that meaning in himself and, um, and be with other believers and, and walk with them as well. And um, I hope we can all say what Paul said at the end of his life, that we've run the race and that we've run it well and that there's a crown waiting for us on the other side too. Mm. Amen. Well, I think that's a good place to leave our conversation. But uh, we can take some, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes for questions if there is any. We've got one so far, and that's how could man, which was made in the image of God, sin in the first place? Would you like to insert robot analogy here? Or? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Well, as uh, it has become a meme among us that uh, this, so free, free will is the answer. And yes, the robot analogy, you know. You could program a robot to give you a hug every day, but that doesn't equal love. Um, God was intentional about, in the same way that, you know, I have a daughter now and she is a bit of me and a bit of my wife, um, you know, she's still her own person and she still has her own free will. And although she will always carry my DNA or, or part of my DNA, um, that does not mean that that is, you know, who she will become. She's not going to become me. Hopefully she will become better than me. And hopefully she will only take the good things of me and, and, and rest. Um, and so the idea is that that's exactly the reality of, of what the Bible talks about when it talks about God creating humanity is that he created us in his image. We carry his fingerprints all over us. Um, and, and particularly what the Bible means when it talks about that is it, it, it means that we, um, are created to rule. Uh, we are created with uh, like a sovereign, uh, you know, intent for this world. And it means things like, you know, we have the capacity to, to love. We have the capacity to, you know, engage in, in meaningful relationships, to impact the world in meaningful ways. Um, so that's what the Bible means when it talks about that we were made in the image of God. Um, but yeah, God made us with free will and he wants us to uh, love him. And, and the reason why he made us with free will is so that we could love him. Um, and so therefore, uh, that's precisely the reason why we can sin is because, um, you know, to, to reject God, which is what sin is, the act of rejection of God is uh, that, that having that option means you also then have the option to love him and accept him. Um, and the sad thing is that for most of our lives, we will usually reject him. Um, but the great thing about God is that not only did he just leave it there and was like, all right, peace out. You rejected me. I'll go make someone else uh, at a different, you know, uh, universe or whatever. No, the great thing is that he, he, he pursued us and he won us back, um, through what he did on the cross. Mm. Um, and so, but you know what, we faced the exact same decision that Adam and Eve faced. And that is to either accept him or reject him all over again. And we face that like as a fundamental thing for our whole lives, but we face that in every moment of our life as well. And when we talk about meaning and purpose of life, um, it's exactly as what Shady was saying, you know, it's this fork in the road with every decision. Do I want to do what I want and what I think is meaningful? Or will I ask God what he wants and what he calls meaningful for my life? And, you know, the way of humanity is usually to do things for me and to do things for my own satisfaction. 
but the way of God, the way of uh, what it looks like to be a real image bearer of God is to sacrifice, is to surrender, is to look to him and say, hey, you're the one that uh, I ultimately want. And so therefore I make a decision to, to go that way rather than my own way. And so what, what we see in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is what we see literally in every uh, big crisis point in our lives. Um, and so, yeah, we're made in the image of God, um, but we're also made with free will and we're called to um, make a choice and make a stand about which way we're going to go. Yeah. Do you want to add anything to that? No, just, just to summarize it, we're, we're faced with the, the, the same tree with the same fruit that Eve had to make a decision on, just like you said, every single day. Mm. Um, and so I, I used to think when I was a kid, man, if I was, what, what a stupid thing to do, Eve. Why would you do that? You ruined something so good in Adam. And I wouldn't have done that. And the truth is, being an adult now, I realized that I would have done that much faster than Eve did. Mm. Um, and uh, we're, But exactly like you said, we're faced with that choice every day. And if God didn't give us the choice to reject him, then we wouldn't have the choice to accept him either. Um, we would just be robots and robots can't love, just like you said. So um, that's why we sin. Um, because God gave us the ability to reject him. And uh, often we choose to do that. Uh, I, I hope that we, we don't. Yeah. Well, we'll give people an opportunity to ask more questions, but did you have anything that you wanted to ask or uh, anything while we wait for anyone else to submit? Um, yeah, I guess just, uh, I had I had two questions. I won't answer them. And I won't ask you to answer them, but just the ones that I thought of when I went home after the accident, which was to, to each one of us, you know, I asked myself, was I ready to leave today? If today was my last day, just because you have to imagine, um, when I looked at her, I, as I walked away, I thought that was the last time she ever had breakfast. That was the last time she ever saw the sunrise. That was the last time she ever went for a drive. That was the last time she got dressed. That was the last time her heart beat. That was the last time a thought went through her mind. All of those things. If, if today was my last day here, um, am, I, am I ready to leave? Am I happy with what has come between now and then? And if not, what do I want to change in case tomorrow is my last day or the week after or the year after or however many years from now? Um, am I ready to leave um, and stand before God and answer for my life? And am I happy with the way that I'm living it now and the way that I've lived it so far? Just, just I guess, um, something to chew on. Mm. Well, with that, maybe we can um, close it there. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say thank you for indulging us, everyone, with these online meetings. And um, I hope it was helpful. Um, from next week, it looks like the whole relaxation of things is gonna is actually gonna go ahead. So from next week, we'll start to meet in person again, um, and yeah, uh, hopefully we could kind of do things similar to this or keep up a podcast kind of style thing. Let us know if you want to do that or not. But otherwise, um, yeah, we'll see you in person next week, and uh, yeah, love you all. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Love you all. And thank you, Dave. Thank you, Shaz. Goodbye.